Star Wars 7x7 episode 3358. Shadow Warrior is the fifth episode in the Ahsoka series, and we've got our patented seven takeaway breakdown on tap for you today. Punch it! Hey Rebel Rouser, I'm Alan Voivod and this is Star Wars 7x7, your daily dose of Star Wars joy. And thank you so much for joining me for it. So we'll start our 7 Takeaway Breakdown as we always do with our quick plot breakdown. And yes, we're in full spoiler territory. I don't think I always say that actually, but it should be <laughs> pretty obvious. So we know from the ending of the last episode that Ahsoka was dropped into the world between worlds while she's floating in the sea off the coast of Setos. And we get to see her in that space where she decides whether she's going to live or die, assisted by the ghost of Anakin Skywalker slash Lord Vader, and she decides to live. So she's able to be rescued by Harrison Dula, who, along with the rest of Phoenix Squadron, have been hanging out for just long enough to make sure that they find Ahsoka's body and get an answer to what may have happened to Sabine. Uh, just long enough for the New Republic to get mad enough and send the fleet to go arrest her without calling it an arrest and bring her back to Coruscant to attend some sort of Senate Oversight Committee hearing and consider the possibility of permanently suspending her commission as a general. And Hera's going to go along with that as soon as she gets Phoenix Squadron to run cover for Ahsoka communing with one of the giant Pergils so that way she can take her Jedi ship into the Pergil's mouth and then jump off to hyperspace to find where Ezra has gone and where Morgan Elsbeth and Balin and Shin and Sabine have all taken off to. At least that's the working theory of things. Fingers crossed that that's where they end up. We know that's roughly where they're going to end up because, you know, that's what has to happen to keep the plot moving forward. For a second takeaway, let's talk briefly about Jason Sindula and the fact that he is clearly powerful in the Force in some fashion. The fact that he's able to listen to the waves and hear lightsabers clashing is a pretty remarkable thing. It certainly suggests that the veil between the world between worlds and the real world in the galaxy far, far away is rather thin at Setos, and that's kind of an exciting prospect. But by the same token, we have another situation where the idea of training Jason Syndulla is utterly off the table. I mean, when he brought it up and said, you know, do I get to be a Jedi like Aunt Sabine? Hera just kind of went, ha ha ha, like, and brushed it off. This time with Hu Yang, he's like, hey, can I, you know, work in the training room? And he's like, no. And you know how to make lightsabers. Can you help me make a lightsaber? No. Like, in no explanation at all. So something unusual seems to be going on with this. And I would love to hear more about the decision of why he's not being trained to be a Jedi, and also if this has anything to do with Ahsoka and Sabine's history, if Hera saw what went on between the two of them and said, well, yeah, Ahsoka's the only other Jedi-type person I know, and after what happened with Ahsoka and Sabine, nope, I'm not letting that happen to Jason whatsoever. I mean, it could have <laughs> something to do with everything that went down with Kanan, too? I don't know, but I feel like there's stuff that we're not being told that I hope we get told sometime in the next couple of episodes. Episodes. Speaking of Hera, for a third takeaway about as cool as a cucumber under the circumstances, not caring about what's happening with you know the demands of the New Republic, and what a wonderful name check about Senator Organa trying to 
give them some cover. That was a really fun little note. The tension between listening to Carson and listening to Jason is well played and you know that she was going to eventually tell Carson, look, wait, the kid knows something, right? And Carson's just going to have to run with it basically. But there's not much conflict in terms of Hera hearing what the difficulty is from Mon Mothma about the Senatorial Oversight Committee. Like, yeah, there's no drama about this whatsoever. And, you know, at first I was kind of like, oh, you know, I want there to feel like there's some conflict. And then, you know, on further reflection, I'm like, well, Hera is as professional as they come. So if anybody's going to greet this with some semblance of grace and calm and, all right, I'll just handle it, it's going to be her. For a fourth takeaway, let's talk about Ahsoka's force powers. So we already know from Tales of the Jedi, and it's kind of a comparatively deep cut situation if you're not familiar with it, right? Like the fact that Ahsoka has the ability to commune with creatures, that sort of thing isn't seen very often and the only time we've actually seen it in live action which you know I said a while ago I'm wondering if Din Djarin is somehow force sensitive or has some latent force capability because of the way that he was able to tame the blurg in that very first episode of The Mandalorian we have a similar kind of situation here with Ahsoka and the Pergil but we saw that happen with that saber-toothed tiger-like creature in Tales of the Jedi so it's not necessarily a new force ability that Ahsoka demonstrates here but it is one that we don't see very commonly and I don't think we've seen it in her yeah I don't I can't even remember when you know when there's any other time where she's demonstrated it and then another particular force ability that she has demonstrated now twice in the series is what is sometimes referred to as psychometry at least that's what I have heard it called like Quinlan Voss's ability for example to you know touch an object and to understand its history this is what's happening with ahsoka in this particular moment when she's holding half of that map that ball object thing and she is experiencing what happened after balin knocked her off the cliff it doesn't happen the same way in the second episode of the ahsoka series when she goes out to investigate what happened at the communications tower when Sabine was attacked by Shinhati and her droid compatriots, right? She is managing to relive it, but not with actual physical contact with anything. So that's a little different from the psychometry ability that we've seen before and understand in that manner. It actually made me think back and wonder about the scene with her and Grogu in The Mandalorian and how she was able to commune with him mentally. And I wondered whether you know, somewhere off screen she had that same kind of communion with Sabine to understand what might have gone down when Shinhati and her droids came for the map. And then Sabine, um, having done that, imparted it to Ahsoka. Ahsoka was then able to sort of relive it basically when she arrived back at the communications tower. Maybe that's how it worked. Either way, we're seeing Ahsoka much further developed in her abilities than we've ever seen her before. And boy, oh boy, does that come in handy for the fight that happens inside the world between worlds. First between Anakin Skywalker and then between Anakin as Lord Vader as we see him when he fought Obi-Wan Kenobi in Revenge of the Sith. And frankly, this whole World Between Worlds segment deserves its own episode, so we're going to make that the deep dive episode tomorrow. But suffice it to say that the lightsaber battle in this between Anakin and Ahsoka was 
terrific. I think it was the best lightsaber action that we've had in the series so far. And it's hard to miss the parallel that happens at the end with Ahsoka actually getting Anakin in a submissive state or, you know, having bested him and then saying, I want to live and deactivating her lightsaber and throwing it away. It's very Luke Skywalker at the end of Return of the Jedi, except with a little less hacking away at the limbs, right? It's not necessarily clear who or what Anakin is inside the world between worlds here. It's the closest thing I think we can say is that it's akin to the vision that Luke had inside the tree in Dagobah when Darth Vader showed up there. And speaking of visions, getting dropped into two classic battles of the Clone Wars as our sixth takeaway for discussing this episode is incredibly jarring because of the fact that we have Ahsoka portrayed by a young actor, Ariana Greenblatt, and we forget, we forget that Ahsoka was at the beginning of the Clone Wars, 14 years old. At the end of the Clone Wars, when she fought Maul, 17 years old. Definitely advanced for her age in terms of her Force abilities, but still, the way that animation treats the character, like you just don't get the same idea, the same impact of how devastating a war is on a child soldier, and that's what we get to see in this vision. And through these moments in the world between worlds, Anakin and Ahsoka are having the opportunity to reconcile their past together and the idea of whether Ahsoka is going to be everything that Anakin was or how she's going to be different from him and how that's going to matter in her journey going forward. And for a seventh and final takeaway in our little fun fact space, if you will. So yes, that was Timora Morrison playing the various clones, including Captain Rex, sort of, in the sense that he was doing the voice work for all of these characters. However, there were various performance artists in the actual clone trooper suits. So yeah, not totally Tem, but it was Tem in the way that it really counted, which was the vocal performance. So that was really awesome for that to happen. And so those are the things I wanted to flag for you in our seven takeaway breakdown. And we will again dive deeper into the world between worlds sequence on tomorrow's episode. But for now, that is going to do it for today's episode of the podcast. And it just remains for me to say thank you so much for joining me for it as always. And may the force be with you wherever in the world you may be. Star Wars 7x7 is not endorsed or sponsored yet by Lucasfilm Limited, Disney, or 20th Century Fox and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Star Wars, the Star Wars logo, all names and pictures of Star Wars characters, vehicles, and any other Star Wars related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Lucasfilm Limited or their respective trademark and copyright holders. May the force be with them. All original content is copyrighted by Star Wars 7x7. We hope you love it.